Blackberry Picking by Seamus Heaney. Late August, given heavy rain and sun for a full week, the blackberries would ripen. At first just one, a glossy purple clot among others, red, green, hard as a knot. You ate that first one and its flesh was sweet, like thickened wine. Summer's blood was in it, leaving stains upon the tongue and lust for picking. Then red ones inked up and that hunger sent us out with milk cans, pea tins, jam pots, where briars scratched and wet grass bleached our boots. Round hayfields, cornfields and potato drills we trekked and picked until the cans were full, until the tinkling bottom had been covered with green ones, and on top big dark blobs burned like a plate of eyes. Our hands were peppered with thorn pricks, our palms sticky as bluebeards. We hoarded the fresh berries in the byre, but when the bath was filled, we found a fur, a rat-grey fungus, glutting on our cash. The juice was stinking too. Once off the bush, the fruit fermented. The sweet flesh would turn sour. I always felt like crying. It wasn't fair that all the lovely canfuls smelt of rot. Each year, I hoped they'd keep. Knew they would not. So um, I'm indebted to Jim Bridgman, who pointed out on Twitter that Seamus Heaney had written that fantastic poem about blackberry picking. Um, that wasn't me remembering that. I'd never read it before, but I think it's a beautiful poem and a, a not a bad way to start this podcast. Although, in a way, I could have saved it, couldn't I, to put right at the end for our meditative bit where we uh, send everyone off to sleep. Might have uh, been a better idea, but no oh well. That would be much better. It was better. Beautifully, um, be- beautifully read, Ned. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pete. I, it benefited, I think, from the fact that I got out of bed and read it straight away without having used my voice to speak to a human being at all. You know, that first mm. thing, the first word you say every morning is always a bit croaky, isn't it? So, Oh, yeah. Uh, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I had, the, honestly, so I've been home for a couple of, well, about a week now, and um, I haven't realised that I spent the last eight weeks First at the tour, thinking, oh my God, where I've got to be. You know, when you wake up, like, oh, I've, I'm late or I've missed something. Then on the race, it's like, oh, I've missed this or I've missed that. And I hadn't realized that I got home and I was still doing it for the first three nights. So I'd wake up and be like, ah, like, what have, I, what have I got to do or what have I missed? <laughs> and the last three nights <laughs> I've been so, and I've, I've finally got over that period and I feel so relaxed. It's, it's unbelievable. And I've also... Um, cut caffeine out completely. A week without caffeine now. Oh wow! Clean. And I feel amazing. Yeah. You look feel really like good. everything looks like it's changed for you, Pete. You've come <laughs> like you've got you've got you know you were you were commenting on my necklace last time we we did a podcast. Well, I can't I can't but not comment on your kind of your dangly earring. You've got a kind of dangly earring situation going on. Oh, I've got the pants. Do, do you want to see my pants as well? Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Really oh, I see. Like yeah. like baggy pajama green things, yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, I've gone into um, festival yeah, Pete. Like it's kind of festival holiday Pete. mode. Yeah, yeah, festival. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> DS yeah. Pete and festival Pete. Well, welcome, yeah. welcome. Festival I know Pete. doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be applying for a, a, pro, a world tour team next year and be like, well. I really want to be a D- DS, but does have like an alter ego when I'm not at a race. <laughs> it tends to come out. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got kind of like uh, race anxiety hanging over me right now with the pod because um, 
So today is the final stage of the Deutschland tour, but I'm nowhere near where I need to be right now. Um, <laughs> because we've been clobbered by massive transfers uh, over the last couple of days. I mean, like colossal ones. There was one of 450 kilometers uh, that I broke in two the other night, which is why we couldn't do a podcast. And then last night, um, we the, well, yesterday's stage finished in the Black Forest. Uh, it's the first ever summit finish on the Deutschland Tour, which I find incredibly weird as a statistic. Because no, this re- surely not. Literally, this race dates back to 1911, and albeit with massive interruptions of like 15 years at a time where there was no Deutschland Tour whatsoever, repeatedly. But nonetheless, it's quite an old race. It's been around in the 70s and the 80s. You know, there was a version of it in the, in the, in the 90s and the early 2000s, but they've never had a summit finish until yesterday. I, so thought, when Jens, I thought when Jens Vogt won it, he, it was on a summit finish. M- might have been an uphill huge, finish. Huge mountain. Yeah. No, no, might have well been an uphill a, finish. That's a super weird fact. It's a super weird fact, but it was in the Black Forest yesterday, and then I, and then, but then it was really annoying. So I got into commentary and I looked at the road book and I suddenly realised, ah, oh, look, I'm not on air for another. Like we were an hour later on air, and the race was due to finish an hour and a half later than normal, and I'm going, oh no, the race isn't due to finish until six o'clock. And then we normally have loads of other little bits and pieces of voiceover that I have to do for like a news feed and all this sort of thing that has to get edited. So uh, that's I your favourite part, though. Isn't oh, it? do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like the end of day voiceover. Come on, pick it up, Ned. Here we go. Here absolutely we go. awful. So it's like well, hanging around in a drizzling, drizzly car park at the top of this mountain in the Black Forest oh. for an hour and a half after the podium while these guys edited this five minute news package. So I could literally put there's like ten seconds of voice on it. Um, and then, wow. I keyed in, then I keyed in the hotel thinking it's not that far away. And it went two hours 45 by car. And I went, no way, that's not happening. So I just got off the mountain and I s- pulled over into a lay-by and I opened a, a, a hotel app and I found the nearest hotel I could. <laughs> and I just bailed out. you shiny boy on it. So, so, so there, I'm in this, I don't even know, I don't even know the name of the hotel because I arrived so late last night and I don't know the name of the town either. I've no idea, but I do know that I'm two hours from Stuttgart where I need to be for the finish today. But I'm don't worry, guys. I'm prioritising never strays far. Let's get this one done first. Yeah, <laughs> the thing that, that sounds like my um, one and only appearance at the Deutschland Tour. That to be fair, Ned. Yeah, don't know where I am, but I'm going to get to the start just on time. Yeah, 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 yeah. In 2018, how's it been? How's, how's the race been, Ned? Do you know what? Seriously, really, really, really good. And I take my hat off to the lovely Fabian Wegmann who we spent mm. quite a lot of time with this year, didn't we, one way and another at the, at the yeah, Tour de France, who's designed this course. Um, so yesterday was a, a fairly straightforward summit finish, and uh, essentially it was the GC day, and uh, Adam Yates absolutely ripped everyone's head off. So it was a decent field, you know. Peyo Bilbao was here, he finished second. Roman Bardet was here, who inexplicably just got dropped straight away, despite the fact mm. that he was, he's been looking really good. Um, a bunch of other people... And, uh, but Adam Yates was so much better than everyone. And um, it, he, he kind of accelerated away with it, took um, Pedrero from Movistar with him. And, but Pedrero just sat on his wheel. And it was one of those ones where Yates was clearly feeling so good, and this was like seven kilometers from the top, that he didn't even look round or flick his elbow. He was completely oblivious and just wasn't bothered by the fact that Pedrero, he kind of knew that he was there, but it was totally irrelevant to him, it, it felt, because he knew that at any given moment he could just go again so he did and that was it um he hadn't Wrapped won up. hadn't won a race since uh march 2021 
So nearly 18 months since Adam Yates has won a race. It's quite a long time, Jeez. isn't it? That's a very long time. I didn't, didn't realise that. Yeah. 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 Um, no. So there was that. But every other stage, apart from the prologue at the beginning, the prologue was pretty exciting, by the way, but every other stage, and including today's final stage, has, has, has been like rolling. But then you get to the city, and with 20 or 30 kilometres to go, you go through the finish line, take the bell, and go out on a kind of like a little lap round the city over, and Fabian Wegman has sought out every single time a kind of series of one and a half kilometre climbs. That's, that's, that's exactly because he loves those brilliant. sort of courses. He's basically but designed his dream course. I mean, absolutely. And every single time he's put bonus sprints, like we used to have at the Tour de France, the little yellow bonus, you know, time sprints. Um, he's put them five kilometres from the finish line at the top of a little climb. Legend. So, I mean, it's just like absolutely nailed on to explode the race each, each and every time. And yeah. it, works, it works like an absolute dream. So I'm sort of thinking, why can't every bike race be like that? All the time. Well, <laughs> it's just... Well, this should be great. like... Pete. Oh, we're going to open a can of worms here. Yeah, I know, I know. I was just thinking the same we're thing, We're going to go Pete. full circle. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to go back to... No, but it's true, because now that Never Straight is far as big enough, imagine if we could organise our own race and kind well, of... I well, I we want would. to. Yeah, you genuinely want, want to. Yeah, I want to, yeah. There's yeah, been a lot of chat on our WhatsApp group between you guys about first it's let's run a team and now let's let's own our yeah. race. Guys, you need to focus. Yeah. What are you going to do first? What's what's going to happen? Uh, the race. The race. <laughs> yeah. This is so good. Yeah. yeah. But, and we could use we can tap into the commissioners in the Isle of Man. That would be oh. good. Oh, it can be on the Isle of Man if you want. They'd, they'd have it there. Well, that's I what I mean. It, so. Well, because it's like kind of yeah. missing from oh, the yeah. calendar now, isn't it? The international. Oh, yeah. They call it the Kenya Classic. see that. Well, you've planted the seed, David. No, it's not yeah. called the Kenya Classic. It's going to be called Never Strays 4. Has to be, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, NS, classic. Yes, NS, NSF Classic. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, genuinely. Brilliant. We should just we should do a session on this. Actually, just do a whole yeah. pod and session. And it can come in and finish on the old velodrome. Well, it's, it's not an old velodrome. Well, it is an old velodrome. It's like a concrete one that Eddie Merckx, Fausto Coppi, has ridden on in Onken. Oh. And that would be, imagine that as the finish. Oh, the ace. what? That would be ace. We could have a all branded up it's going to happen like i reckon maybe potentially next year but well, definitely the year after set ourselves a deadline yeah that sounds yeah. that sounds absolutely brilliant so are we gonna are you gonna thin the field out before they get to the velodrome or are you gonna hope to get to the velodrome with like 30 riders and then have an elimination race on the track uh, so so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna have a pan flat race to the velodrome and two kilometres before you get there, there's going to be a bonus sprint where you gain a minute. <laughs> so whoever, <laughs> so whoever, whoever wins it can just like do the lap of the velodrome, like hands in the air. You know, I've won, I've done it. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't even have to take part in the sprint. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> and pan flat before that. Hey, just, just a pan flat race before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I love it. It's good. We should start off like with it being pretty easy, like that, just for our organising kind of yep. learning curve. Yeah, so this exactly. race is just yeah, it's just pan flat. A race for the Dead sprinters, straight. eh? A race for the sprinters. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Like hey, what we t we send a strong sprinter team with the lead out there. It's going to be good for us, eh? <laughs> Who would win that race? Who would win that kind of race? Um, Cav. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We need actually. We it's need on to home turf, it. isn't it? Imagine how motivated he'd be. I think for the yeah. profile of the race, we need to make sure that Cavendish wins as well. So we need to know. We need to make yeah. sure that everybody yeah. in the peloton knows True. what the what Do the you situation think knows. is. 
Do you yeah. th- and do you think he'd wave his we'll feet? Because we'll have him in Never Strays Far winner's jersey, won't we, at the end? Oh, of yeah. That'd be important. That'd be amazing. Well, that's actually... Re- that, yeah, actually, it would have to be a two-day race, so at least the next day they have to... And even if it's only, like, 20Ks the next day, at least they've got to wear the yeah, jersey. Okay. So then we yeah. can have their image yeah, for yeah, the whole year. Yeah, yeah, got you. Because okay, you see what I mean? Let's do that. So yeah. we could have the first two day... Two-day race. Which, yeah, so yeah. the first day is quite complicated to organise. Let's make it as simple as possible the next day so that we're just kind yeah, of minimal like stress, but we get all the content from them being in the leader's jersey with Never Strays Far all over them. Yeah, and perhaps we'll have a few yeah. jerseys so that we can get a few big name riders in our brand pitters. jerseys. Got to have pitters, pitters haven't nice. we? Yeah, got to have yeah. pitters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a great we idea. Could have like oh, pitters got to be there. Yeah, because you could have even provide a fountain for him to wash down at the end. You could even have. Did you, I? I've yeah. thought about this since the tour. Like how mad this is. By the way, it's like news that he's going in a fountain after a bike race. Like shock. Oh my god, oh, that is crazy. You know, how crazy are you? You went in a fountain after a stage of the Tour de France. Mm. Oh my God! So Do you know what I mean? Like absolutely, cycling's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but that's. Oh. Just, I think. I think that's a little bit of a reaction to the Ineos years, the Sky years, isn't it? Kind of like, oh, yeah. you know, you can't shake anyone's hand oh, because yeah. of bacterial infection and all that, but you can jump in a, sh- in, a in a fountain. I think there's a bit of a kickback from that, really. Yeah, yeah. Does what he wants, yeah. so doesn't he? Yeah, he, he does. Do. I, actually, yeah, he just yeah, he does, doesn't he? Hey, just before we move on, just before we move on from crazy race ideas, I was I was working with Marcel Wust. I managed to bully him into coming in and joining uh, joining me in commentary the other day. Uh, I've seen Marcel in years. Pete, you know who Marcel is? Good at doing that. Do you remember? Do you remember him from the Uh, late nineties, early noughties? No, I don't. Who did he ride for? Uh, Festina. Festina. Oh, Festina. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was a German sprinter. He's won stages in all the all the Grand Tours. Uh, mm. A re- oh super right. nice yeah. guy. Runs a um, runs a in Mallorca champion runs a cycling cycling camp mm. there now. Um, but yeah, I oh god, that sounds lovely. Bullied him into uh, bullied him into sitting um, alongside me in the commentary box. And for some reason, apropos of nothing, we started talking about what we've just been talking about about designing a race from scratch and you know and putting in mad bonuses and all this sort of thing. And he came up with a great idea. He, he said. He, well, uh, I don't know if it's a great idea. It's a really interesting idea. He said he's actually sat down with Christian Prudhomme and literally suggested this for the Tour de France. He said the day before Paris, what you should do is um, send the yellow jersey off <laughs> up a mountain, like have a really short mountain stage, like 60 kilometers, maybe two climbs. Send the yellow jersey off first, and then everybody follows on their own in GC order. Oh. Uh. Yeah. So, nice. so if you're the yellow jersey, simply because you're oh, so it's literally kind of a handicap. It's but it's a handicap where yeah. the yellow jersey gets the right yeah. to go first. But then we find out yeah. if the yellow jersey yeah. is really the best rider in the it's race. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 really interesting. Also, if second place catches the yellow jersey, are they effectively on the same time? Then they have to be given a yellow because jersey. He's put because he's put fifteen <laughs> seconds into him. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because yeah. oh, how does it work? I don't know. <coughs> I um. haven't got into the detail of that, but that's quite a significant question. Yeah, I think. Are they so? If they catch him, are they on the same? Yeah, they're on. Then on the same thing. It's just a race, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I about it. It should well, be an elimination. We'll make the rules. Yeah, yeah. But it's quite an interesting idea, isn't it? Isolate like forcibly isolate all the all the GC riders. Isolate them all and then send them off. And okay, yeah. you know you've yeah. so if you you've built up a two and a half minute lead right now, defend it. Yeah. yeah, and what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You spent three weeks building up this lead, uh, one day before Paris. Good luck, mate. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Imagine the pressure. <laughs> hey, months of preparation. Preparation, you know, 
yeah. months and months away from your family, uh, dieting, altitude camps. Um, and guess what? Last day before Paris could all go wrong. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> be good telly. Be great. <laughs> anyway, Prudhomme said, he loved, Prudhomme said he loved the idea, but he said, mais, mais tu sais, Marcel, uh, uh, le cyclisme en français, on est conservateur. So uh, AC yeah. reckons everyone's been too conservative yeah. for that. So it's a shame. Anyway. Yeah, I like it though. It's a good um, idea. Yeah, so anyway, so Adam, so this is it from the Deutschland Tour. We've had stage wins. Oh, I should talk about the prologue because that was crazy. Mm. 2.6 kilometers. So sh super short. And um, all the teams, and there are, how many are there? 14 World Tour teams here. 14 World Tour teams. Um, none That's of them none of them turned up with um, time trial equipment. They, the organization said everyone does the prologue on road bikes. So it was a super weird sight of, and it was really odd looking. Filippo Ganna in mm. particular on a road bike just looked really strange. <laughs> it just looked <laughs> like, it almost looked like disrespectful in a way. You know, like here's this amazing athlete. Yeah, I know what you mean. And yeah. you put him, you just make him look stupid by putting him on a road bike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so he still it, was won. it was really, it was really odd. But he was, he won, he won. It was his first, um, yeah. it was his first time trial victory actually since winning the uh, Italian national championships back in June. So, hmm. so there well, we go. Uh, Adam Yates was seventh in that prologue. I guess that was an indicator of just how well he's going. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. for a long time, well, he's he been good, and he's been good in all the time trials and prologues since he went to Ineos, hasn't he, Ned? He was really good at UAE. We noticed that straight away yeah. at UAE, and then mm. a couple of times after that. So. Yeah, and his brother. Let's yeah. not forget Simon won the won the opening time trial of the um, Giro, didn't he, in Budapest? And do you remember he had Did a brilliant he? Simon Yates had a brilliant um, time trial at Paris Nice when we all thought Adam Yates was going to be. So both oh the yeah. Yates they've really stepped it up in time trialing. But Adam said yeah. in the interview afterwards he said he's basically been ill all year, so he hasn't felt right the entire year um, up till now. So Jeez. there we go. And then yeah. and then we've had stage wins for Caleb Ewan. That's bizarre, isn't it? By the way, what's that? What's that? Feeling ill all year. That is bizarre. I think it's been like a bronchial thing, hasn't it? Like, I think I'm right in saying it's just not his. Uh, that he just can't get rid of. Yeah, yeah, it's just strange. a really like dragging on. Um, Caleb Ewan then took stage one on one of these funny little circuits. Fabio Jakobsen, by the by the way, every single time on these circuits just gets dropped. Boom, straight away. Oh, seriously, <laughs> he just can't. Ooh. He can't. He just can't. <laughs> de he can't deal with them. But um, Ewan. Ewan just survived the, the first stage, took the win, and um, it was quite emotional for him actually because he just found out he's deselected. He's not going to be selected for the Australian national champion, uh, sorry, world championship team. Obviously at home, close to where he grew up and everything. So, uh, he, and and you know, he mm. admitted his form hasn't been great, but it was a pretty impressive win, um, which he needed because he hasn't won since April on the Tour of Turkey in any shape or form, mm. which is quite a long time to go for a sprinter of his uh, caliber. And then the next day, um, which was even harder, the circuit, typically Alexander Kristoff was the only one of the sprinters who survived, and he, and he won. So he's just super, Mr. Super Consistent. And, we got, and as, as I say, if I get to the finish line in t on time today, we've got another similar situation in Stuttgart today, so I'm looking forward to that. And that's it from the Deutschland Tour, apart from the fact that Germany's amazing, but you know that. Um, I've really oh, loved you love it so around. much. Oh, yeah, I yeah. love your passion. Oh, it's, it's great, great. isn't it, Pete? He just never gets tired. It's, it's so, it makes me feel young. <laughs> you are young. <laughs> <laughs> but Pete, you're uh, even uh, younger. You might be so young that if I say Black Forest Gatto to you, you won't really know what I'm talking about. Do you know what Black Forest Gatto is? Because it's a bit oh, of a 1970s uh, thing, really. A cake. It's, 
It's true. It is like quite sort of retro cake, that, isn't it? Yeah. 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 You're right. So can you yeah. describe it? Yeah. yeah. It's black and it's uh, chocolatey. Yeah. I think, I think you know what that, it is. That, that'll yeah. do. That'll do. Um, yeah. We should also um, mention yeah. um, Sam Gaze. We should definitely mention Sam Gaze. Yeah. 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 Podcast listener. Winner yeah. of the Short Course World Championships. I don't even know what that is. Pete, what's that? That's uh, It's exactly what it says on the tin. Short course. <laughs> it's short course. a short mountain bike race. So it's like a, effectively like a mountain bike criterium. Yeah, oh wow. Um, I think it's, oh, it might be only 20 minutes or... Yeah, I think you're right. Just looking now. I can't remember the exact distance. It's very short. So suits like a, yeah. a road rider who's... 22 minutes you, you know, want it in. Yeah, there you go. Jeez. So if you're on the road and you're doing lead outs and all that type of stuff, it's... Yeah, it's up your street and it's up Sam Street, I guess, because that's the type of rider he is. Is well it the um, great to see though? Is it? Yeah, well done, Sam. We should get him on one day to give us a bit. And of And it's also it's like there's a lot more fighting, fighting for position in, yeah. in in the race and stuff. So it's not like you know mountain bike racing, as you'll know, Ned. Now, with all yeah. your experience of commentating, yeah. <laughs> it strings out straight away, doesn't mm. it? And it's it's ones and twos. But this short, yeah, it's sure. really exciting to watch, and it's like a peloton, and there's fighting for positions and stuff. So it's and it's is the cross country worlds like the big one today then? Yeah. Ooh, today. I'm gonna watch that because I have a pigcock could like mm. he's on on, tra- on track for the grand slam that's never been done before if he wins today. <sighs> That'd be crazy. Calendar year, cross country world champion, mountain bike world champion, then try and get the road world championships. So that what that that would be the grand slam, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, so the, ro- like the road, the road um, will jump. It's quite yeah, a big missing, like quite a big missing piece of the jigsaw there, but but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not without. One. It's not. Yeah, but it's Pickcock. It's possible. Absolutely, it is. I love. I love on this podcast how we've like come up with this idea for him, and like yeah. made it into something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, manifested yeah. it. We've manifested like it. You're it. right. Pitters. A big it's word good. for me that isn't it? Manifest. I know it's appropriate though. Yeah. I think I think Pitters man- right, right think, context as well. I think Pitters just manifests everything. He's yeah, like, true. He's like the, the king of <laughs> manifestation. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go and do that. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, was, was there the downhill mountain bike event yesterday? yesterday. Uh, yes. It's a, it's a, the World Championships are leger, aren't they? Uh, yes, year. exactly. Yeah. I saw some insane photographs of the crowds there yesterday. Oh, manic, huh? Did you see that? The size yeah. of this. So outside of mountain bike world, you know, which we all are a little bit. I mean, Pete's dipped mm-hmm. his toe in there. I've dipped a fingertip in there. Um, but mm-hmm. David, it's completely alien to you, I think. But inside mountain bike world, there is so much passion and love for that sport, isn't there? It's just incredible. It's huge. It, it really is. Especially in Leger. It in some of those places. I mean, when we had yeah. the rest day in, in Majerve, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, then mm. I kind of went around, it, it, was, it was literally just mountain bike heaven. Yeah. It was just like kind of it, like overrun. Oh, it was everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah. But also, like we talked about the Tour de France and people get behind it. I feel like it's the same for these cities or towns that host a mountain bike. It's like a winter sport, you know, when you see just the whole town just come out in force yeah. to support this whatever sport it is. They're just so passionate about sport. It's great. Um, but mountain biking, yeah. I did two World Cups earlier this year, and I was like, why didn't I do this instead of road racing? This is <laughs> way better. <laughs> it's so, so much more fun. It's quite hard, to, Pete. Realistically, though, it's quite hard to make a living, isn't it? I mean, like, that you can be picked up by one of the teams, and I don't know what the salaries are like for kind of 
most yeah, riders. Yeah, no idea. And then you get, like, at the World Cups, mm. you also get, like, privateers, don't you? Who are just kind of mm. like one-man band, and they have to raise their own sponsorship and get their own sort of package together, which yeah, must yeah. be super stressful and really hard to manage. So there is that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's that. Yeah, it's the passion, eh? Yeah. What about, uh, what about the Vuelta? That's been oh, man, I've been dipping. Yeah, I got super excited yesterday, as you know. But I've kind of been following it because I haven't been watching it so much as we, Pete, like you, we don't really watch it so much when we're at home because, what, you've been uh, watching it? Oh, this is, no, this has been a revelation for me. So I, this is the first race since I retired that I've sat down and it's been 90k to go and I've been, I'm, I- I'm in it. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm watching it till the end and it's, <laughs> I've been sucked in by it basically. And it hasn't, it, this is the first time it's ever happened since I retired and I'm oh. like, yeah. Yeah, this is this mad. is a turning point, Pete. So you know, when you get you get in, you get invested in it, don't you? After yeah. When when you've spent a couple of days watching it, then it's like day four, day five. It's like well, it becomes part of your routine. It's like yeah. you want to know. You're just so invested in the race. It's uh, true. Yeah. And the, the Vuelta is good yeah. as well because you feel kind of because we've we've always spoken about this, Ned. How the Vuelta is the sort of um the apprenticeship for Grand Tours. So you always get young riders, and there's that. And Absolutely. we spoke about this at Tour de France. How it's kind of when you have those those riders who win at the Tour for the first time, the joy. And at the Vuelta, it's very much that. Mm. You know, it's all these riders who are just like getting these their first sort of taste of what it's like to to be a Grand Tour racer. And we're kind of seeing that with some of the results there as well. Yeah. I, well, listen. Before yeah. we talk about the Vuelta this year, Pete, I think I owe. Well, I don't know if I owe you an apology, but it's worth noting that. Um, after yeah. we recorded last week's podcast, um, I got a long uh, voice note from Adam Blythe, <laughs> from Blythe saying oh yeah? he was driving down to work uh, for GCN Eurosport and uh, listening to the pod. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the team time trials in the Vuelta. He's, he, he said, mm. I think, he said, I think, Ned, I think um, the last team time trial at the Vuelta was the one in 2016 where Pete ended up... Uh, in the jersey, in the leader's jersey. And um, and I think Pete just didn't mention that because he was being too modest. So, uh, so mm. is that the last team time trial? It probably might be, actually, the last uh, one. I don't know. But I was fishing for it a bit, but then I didn't <laughs> want to go down the, Dave, David Miller, the, the David Miller rabbit hole of time. That'll trial, happen. You know? it, it, was a, it, was a t- it was a dangerous subject because it could have been... Yeah, yeah but, I don't, history, think, but I don't think in fairness... Time trial, I don't think don't Especially a team he time trial. <laughs> he does. I don't think when in fairness we can. Four guys in Garmin. <laughs> on that heroic. Can do that once, once a year? I can only tell that once a year. So you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my Alp Duos win, to be fair. <laughs> uh, nah, three, three, four times a year. But I don't think we should have been able to conduct an entire conversation about the team time trial at the Welter without mentioning that Pete wore the red jersey after that mm. and won so that's uh, hats off to you pete hats well off to you pete. remember yeah. it really well Cheers. we were commentating on it weren't we david we were yeah that's yeah. true that was what, 2016 so it's our second our second welter yeah yeah, yeah. i actually I spoke to you both on the phone uh during the tour de france commentary when i was preparing for the welter it was like a random stage. I don't know if you remember it, but I was yeah, on the that's phone. When we're that's when we're calling day. people in all the time, yeah. And you were one of the lovely people who'd actually yeah. answer and speak to us. Yeah. yeah. And we used to have to do full days. Actually, that's something just just separate. Is it just me or is this Vuelta come really close to the tour this year? Because I can't believe we used to commentate on the Vuelta because that felt like it just came around like that. 
I think it's the same time gap. I don't think they've scrunched up the calendar. It is just, it, I think that's I think it's just the way it is, David. But I, I think yeah. your entire it's sense bio, of this summer, fear, isn't it? this summer's timetable for you has just been completely kind of like warped by your it endless has, yeah. holiday. <laughs> I know that's completely just kind of, I've never done that before. <laughs> so I'm just completely confused. That was so funny. We, we'd, we'd hook up like to do this podcast and like me and Pete would be banging around the place doing all this mad stuff and then <laughs> Dave, <laughs> it was just on this holiday that's just just knew no end. It was just you're still there. It felt like still it. just in amazing places. So right, Ned. No wonder it's gone quick. <laughs> <laughs> David's it's like, so uh, is, it, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Or is the time between the tour and the world gone really quick this year? No, you're just on a city yacht outside of Barcelona, living the dream, mate. <laughs> me and Pete been thrashing up and down motorways. Oh yeah. dear. Um, eating, eating too oh many wow. Harry Anyway, so yesterday I'm yeah. commentating on the Deutschland tour on my own, right? And um, I've got my WhatsApp open, and I noticed that our WhatsApp group has just gone insane. Obviously, I'm not looking at it because I'm mm. busy doing what I'm doing. But when I get to the end of the stage and I have a look, and there are literally 45 messages uh, between <laughs> you two, <laughs> because neither right. of you are supporting. Like you could have just easily just dipped over. You were watching it on GCN Eurosport, I guess, right? You could have just dipped yeah. over to see what was happening with your old mate and the Deutschland tour. See, I wonder how Ned's getting on commentating all on his own. No, not a bit of it. Neither of you watched a single. <laughs> single pedal stroke of the Deutschland tour. <laughs> Instead, you were all, <laughs> all about the Vuelta yesterday. And we were, you were fully just invested. So, you were so excited. So talk me through it then. What's been happening at the Vuelta, David? Um, well, I think people know more. I mean, I've just been following as, as Remco starts to kind of wind it up. But I think it's it's been kind of pretty cool and there's been bad weather and there's been... My biggest kind of surprise is this Jay, Jay Vinecat. It's like... He's kind of from computer game to kind of beating the world's best and actually looking good on the bike. But we'll come back to that in a second, Pete, because you have a great theory on that one. Because I'd never actually kind of paid okay. attention to Jay Vine. I've just thought know. of an another, one, another one as well. Okay, cool. David, David. The one I, said David. I, forgot, I forgot yesterday's one already. Yeah. On, the subject of, on the subject of Jay Vine, David, he was the one rider of note who didn't turn up to the Tour of Antalya. Do you oh, remember? That's right. Yeah, he was just he was going to crush it. Well, could obviously, with that climb to Temesos, he would have yeah. just smashed it and picked up an easy GC win and kind of like, we were going, oh, why didn't you do yeah. that? Why did and you do that? He could have done it like one leg. And then we would have yeah. known who won that stage rather than being totally I know. confused. I know. Instead of on holiday for a week afterwards yeah. and chilled. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, so um, back to the world. But yeah, I mean, the, the biggest revelation so far has been Jay Vine. And I saw kind of what I was watching yesterday and I didn't see it. And I don't think anybody saw it in the first stage. He'd won a couple of days before because the cameras all went down because the weather's so bad. So it was one of those Stephen Roach kind of chasing down days where it was only mm. the fixed cameras at the end. And so no one actually saw Jay Vine kind of have this, his first big, great win atop a mountain at a critical moment because Remco had gone with him and couldn't go with him. Which just goes to show Remco, they destroyed the field, but Jay Vine even put time into Remco. Um, so I didn't see much of that, but then the same similar thing happened yesterday, but Jay Vine got himself into the breakaway. So it's going to show he's a pretty good racer, because he's to be there at the sharp end in the GC race, then win the stage, but then also to get in the breakaway on the right day and make it to the finish and ride away. But I was watching and I was like, oh, he actually looks really good on the bike. He looks so solid. Almost, he looks like a proper sort of GC all rounder. and and beautiful and I was saying this in our WhatsApp group well it was just me and Pete riffing back and forth excited and, and Pete was like that's because he always look, he's just ridden his bike looking in the mirror most of his life <laughs> yeah, he's perfected it 
It's so, so true, though, isn't it? I mean, ob- obviously he looks good. Do you know what I mean? He's literally perfected his style to a T. And also, do you know when all the old school pros go, oh, you know, this is the way you need to turn pro, live in Belgium, be hard, really go through it. You know, you've got to show yourself. Um, mm. Actually, I'll just win an e-sport um, race on Swift and then I'll turn pro. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I've never <laughs> so been outside. Long, and, then, and then after that, I'll go and win a stage of the Vuelta. <laughs> Yeah, so he's rule book, isn't it? Yeah, so so he won that. Zwift have had its. He was he the first winner, the Zwift Academy, and then they have like a year long sort of thing going on, and then he won it, and you got an automatic place in a pro team, and it was Alpecin, wasn't it? So they kind of obviously deal with Zwift, which seems a bit kind of. It seemed like more of a marketing kind of clever marketing thing, noisemaker than actually a reality. Yeah. But to watch Jay Vine doing that now, that's kind of, as you say, Pete, it kind of, it's another one of these, the, the rules being ripped up because you'd have thought, oh yeah, great, you can just do it on an ergo or on a, on a fixed trainer. Yeah. And you, how do you convert that into being a pro bike racer? Well, sweet It's pretty Jesus. insane, isn't it? Yeah, and he also, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, out, out my window now, I'm looking at Rocker Corber, and he's got the record for that, which is Has kind he? of, I think, right. uh, something like 26 minutes or maybe even less and when i was so and this is actually a really good barometer of how the sports changed when like in the mid 2000s when i first moved here in the kind of the armstrong end of the armstrong era light pie christian van der Velde, to break 30 minutes was epic on on <laughs> on rocker corba and now you've got like jay vine doing 26 minutes or even actually i think faster than that and so breaking 30 now is just pretty mm. you know standard which is like <laughs> i can't even imagine it um, <laughs> but yeah, so so that was good. But then the most exciting bit for me was then Remco was just seeing that Remco is actually coming through because there's all these kind of doubts. And then watching him race yesterday, he looked crazy in control. Kind of don't think he really actually had to go deep at all. And he, it was he, awesome to watch. Guys, he's got a minute lead over Primoz Roglic, right? H- how yeah. did that? When did that happen? How did that happen? That day. On the misty. On the misty, misty day. Roglic day. lost a minute to Avonapool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was the stage before that Bilbao, David? No. Yes. It uh, no, the stage so before that was Bilbao. So the stage... So, so when yeah. I when I did the Vuelta and won that red jersey on the in the team time trial, um, we did the exact two stages that were... That, uh, that was that, like the Bilbao downhill steep and then that mountain stage was exactly the same yeah um, so I just I'm just yeah. looking here so on that the J Vine misty day uh, Remco is 15 seconds behind J Vine and then it was 1 minute 22 seconds to Roglic wow who was in who was in I'm intrigued place. about Roglic I am like, as well I'm trying to think of a grand tour where he hasn't either won or cracked and gone home mm. yeah so he's, I mean, he's kind of got to get the monkey off his back because it, it's, it's yeah, not good at the it moment it feels like he's either either wins or he just He's out. leaves you know mm. yeah but yesterday because it was interesting because it had that misty finish and jay vine was off kind of destroying everybody and then quick step we're doing a great ride at the kind of bottom of the climb then Ineos took over briefly kind of because Theo gagenhart's up there and they came by and it was almost alaphilippe got mega pissed off you kind of just they came by and alaphilippe sort of just looked over, looked over at remco as if to say can i go and then Alaphilippe just came back around them. And then that's when it kind of they blew Ineos away. 
then Teo attacked, but then, but then it kind of all, it was all happening, but then Remco just seemed to just wind up the last K and a half, and that's where he split off everyone else apart from Enrique Mass and Roglic. And normally that's Roglic terrain, that last K, and by the looks of the images I saw, Roglic was hanging on for dear life to, to Remco in that last K, so, which mm. is interesting as well. So, yeah, but good it can all crumble pretty quickly. We'll see. On it, just. Yeah, that's a really good question, Pete. I was just doing a little bit of research into Roglic. He finished, I'm trying to think, you know, when's he finished on the podium in, in races, in GCs? Um, the year Carapaz won the Giro, 2019, he finished third behind uh, Vincenzo Nibali oh, right. and Richard Carapaz. But mm. they're okay. few and far between. I, I think you're right. That's a kind of a really interesting stat. He's either, he either wins or goes home. Mm. Which yeah, is because when he, when he cracked, when Evanapol put that minute into him, I was expecting him to just go bang, you know, mm. three, four minutes. But it seemed to like get over the fact that he'd been dropped and then limit his losses, which, mm. yeah, I mean, that's what you've got to do, isn't it? Because, but it mm. doesn't seem to happen that often. It's either he's either winning or he's out of the yeah. back, basically. Also, Ned, we need to talk about Fred Wright. Oh, yeah, so I've been kind of vaguely oh, following yeah. that. He's been close, gets closer and closer each time, right? Oh. There, there obviously I mean, seems to be some mad strong. stage where he had um, Rudy Mollard that was the stuck in his stage. wheel. Or, or, yeah, or what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. a Bilbao stage. So he's what, finished second. Or th- uh, yeah, he's been in the breakaway and kind of dominating the breakaway twice. And then, I mean, that was the stage where he led out, like the final 800 meters or something, and kind of mm-hmm. led it out strong, wasn't playing games. Yeah. And then just got completely pummeled. But it's yeah, it's yeah. weird because he's obviously he's got such great savvy kind of tacticals but getting these moves and kind of but he's also so strong and I think yeah. he's just getting marked so heavily now, even though he's not winning. He is like you know mm. Fred Wright's there, there's a strong chance he's gonna make it to the line. It's mad, isn't it? Within yeah. a couple of months he's like the yeah. guy, the yeah. breakaway guy, you know? It's, it's um, kinda and that's, but he's that's backing so it up with every yeah. race he does now, which is impressive. It's truer every race he does, and I guess it, it's kind of strange right. when you're. It's almost like he's too strong at the moment, kind of too strong for his own good. Well, the final climb, he did it all on the front, basically, mm. chasing uh, the Soler, which yeah. But he was going. He had the red jersey still. He had the leaders' jersey to play for as well, didn't he? Which he just missed out on as well. I mm. saw oh, pretty interesting feel for him, don't you? Yeah, he? it sucks. There's um. This is the first. I mean, there's 11 British riders at the Vuelta this year. Wow. I yeah. know. That's going to be the most ever. It's like, it's, it's, that's pretty cool. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Surely one of them's got to win something. But yeah. So that's the Vuelta. I'm going to watch it again sounds today. Pretty, it the sounds pretty today? exciting. Yeah. What yeah. is it today? I don't know. I'm going to have a look. <laughs> uh, I was going to summit finish. <laughs> you know, actually. Oh, yeah. It's a horrible finish. <laughs> so is Remco going to win it then? Is that, the, is that what you're saying? I hope so. Oh, I, uh, I don't know. I hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but I also think I, I hope so also for the betterment of the sport because Completely. then you have got Remco, you've got Pogaccia, you've got Vingegaard, and Remco is the kind of the only other person at the moment coming through who looks like he could be a challenger to those two, and so he needs to pull it off here to kind of keep that momentum going. Um, but I think even finishing the podium here and winning some stages, it's kind of, that's the, the gateway, isn't it? That's where Vingegaard started. That's where Tali Pogaccia started. So it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Fi- yeah. Fingers crossed. It's, yeah. The Vuelta is a crazy place, isn't it? But I mean, there's one interview with Teo that I've seen. 
Oh, that was yeah, yeah. That was quite interesting. Didn't sit I, well I with me, that. to be honest. Well, it was no. um, it was quite interesting, wasn't it? Theo Gegenhardt gave an interview yesterday, I think, to Eurosport, didn't he? Where midway through his first answer, <laughs> midway through his first oh. answer, he said he literally said, "Your flies are undone." To the to the journalist, which um, may or yeah. may not have been true, but I I would have been. Uh, <laughs> I've been absolutely mortified. If it felt the like kind of, of welter had said, yeah. "Your flies are undone to me." No, knowing it's knowing it's live on air and kind of knowing that's going to be doesn't need to do that. And it was just there was a f- sort of passive aggression to it. I it know. was cause like he's really stressed. Yeah, and he was just and didn't look at out on and and you actually because um, I sent it to you, so I was fascinated by the whole interview. But you then I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen a pro cyclist literally look the other way. So here's the thing. So so there's a phenomenon. I actually I I I I guested on a fantastic football podcast called the Football Clichés Podcast, which analyzes the language of football journalism and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I was the guest on their pod a few weeks ago, um, and we talked about this. But in my experience of interviewing football managers in particular and players, this is definitely a phenomenon. So um, there are certain characters in football who would simply never look you in the eye because it was beneath them to actually engage mm. on, a, on, a, on a kind of like human level with the journalist. So they would look everywhere yeah. but at the journalist. Like top right-hand corner, top left-hand corner, down. Bizarre, innit? But then when you move your head from like looking up to looking down, you've got to do it fast so that you don't actually inda- you know, run the risk of at any point looking the journalist <laughs> in the eye. It's like... Yeah. It's, like an, so it's, almost like it's almost as if you have the interview in your ear... And you're trying to just you're looking around randomly. Exactly, exactly. And it's like yeah. an opposing like magnet. It's like when you have magnets that oppose one another. Your head is just constantly yeah. swiveling away. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but but uh, but you know, in terms of the human interaction aspect of it, uh, to be on the other side of that is actually quite kind of well. T- in the end, it was one of the things that ground me down about about working in football. It was like I, I don't even exist, do I, mate? Yeah. I mean, I'm not part of this mm, you know, conversation whatsoever. You know, and that was what I felt a little bit watching the interview with Teo. I mean. I do, I do get it. You know, uh, these athletes are under enormous pressure. Hard, yeah. hard, hard yeah. watching, wasn't it? Even yeah. like I watched it with Lauren, and she was like, "Why isn't he looking mm. him in the eye?" Like he was looking, like you say, Ned, exactly that. He was doing his jacket up. Fair enough, you know, you got to sort yourself out post race, but there was just something missing for me in terms mm. of humanity. It's like but, but this guy's interviewing about the race, like look him in the eye, mm. answer the question. By and large, I don't think... Don't tell him his flies are undone live on air. Do you know what nah. I mean? By and large, I think um, professional bike racers are amazing. I mean, I've, I've been, you know, I've been thrusting microphones yeah. under their noses for, for 20 years nearly, and I've, I've been absolutely blown away by the kind of respect shown normally, actually. Even, you know, f- even among those athletes who had, uh, had uh, a fierce reputation, even Armstrong... <laughs> Back in the day, I mean, Armstrong was fascinating to interview because I think he enjoyed it. I think he enjoyed being challenged. I think he actually was quite disappointed if he didn't have somebody kind of like mm. try and pick mm. away at him a little bit, you know. Uh, but it was definite, you know, it was on his terms, absolutely. But there was a there was a human interaction with Armstrong. It was quite quite challenging, oh. but it was but it was a relationship, <laughs> yeah, you know. It yeah. was a definite yeah. relationship. Um, well, he, he he's the ultimate kind of example of. For him, it was all part of the game. Exactly. You know, it didn't. It, it wasn't as if he got to the finish line and it just stopped. And then you waited for the next day in the start line. It was like everything was going on for him. All the relationships kind of then they they transposed from in the race to outside the race. And then it was a new game, 
And it was like he loved all of it. Yeah. And he genuinely loved just all, and then all the stuff, obviously, all the bad stuff he did, that was part of the game, all the good stuff, all the kind of, you know, for him it was just, he was the ultimate player. And perfectly kind of expressed, yeah. perfectly expressed. Yeah. The day, the day of, um, the day that Cavendish won into La Grande Motte in 2009 during the Armstrong comeback in the crosswinds where Armstrong ended up in the front group and Contador, his team leader, was a minute 30 back in the, in the second group and Armstrong didn't wait for him. You know, that was the story, mm -hmm. wasn't it? That was the story. He didn't wait for Contador. Yeah. Um, the next morning before the stage started, and David, I hate to mention it, but I think it might have been <laughs> the day of the team time trial in Montpellier. Oh, well, hang on. How have you looped back round to this, Ned? Yeah. <laughs> we just cut it out of the previous pod and just put it in. And now we'll go back happening. to the Montpellier but, team time but trial. But we all... God. We all went along to Armstrong, well, the uh, Astana Hotel. It was Astana, wasn't it? Yeah. We went along to the Astana yeah. Hotel. Or was it Discovery? Oh, it doesn't matter. Um, Astana. Uh, it was Astana. Astana. To, Wait, it was to, smarter, to, yeah. to doorstep Armstrong. And he came out, you know, totally aware that he was going to be, you know, ambushed by all these TV crews. There must have been 30, 40 people there. And loads of microphones suddenly in front of him and like that. And nobody asked him the Contador question. Um, at all like everyone just fought shy of it and uh, he answered about four or five questions and then there was a pause and no one no one dared ask anything else <laughs> and then he said he said is that it are we just going to stop there <laughs> no, no one got anything better than that <laughs> so I so I remember I piped up something about Contador and he kind of like nodded okay finally we get the Contador question right <laughs> I can't remember what his answer was because my microphone was what a my microphone hand was shaking so much, you know. But, uh, <laughs> oh but Ned, when you talk about your football career mm. before you obviously got into cycling, the more I think about it, actually, okay, we've got to a point in cycling now where a lot of the interviews are quite generic, but the characters we we have in this sport are it's brilliant. Like Cav, for instance, mm. is like completely second pauses before you know. Before he answers, where he just looks at him dead in the eye and doesn't say anything, and uh, and everyone's like, "What's going to happen? What's going to happen?" Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. Is he going to yeah. steal my <laughs> my voice recorder? Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, um, and the, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's and and great, G, if it? you if you compare kind of Teo, and fair enough, we've all had those moments, Teo yesterday to how yeah. G, G would have handled that. Because <laughs> G's oh. just a genius, <laughs> even when stuff goes really bad. Yeah. He's just lighthearted in that post-race yeah. interview. I don't, I don't know if he's really good at it or he is just like that That's relaxed. That I think it's just G. Yeah, he doesn't think, he doesn't overthink anything, does he? No, yeah. no, no. no. Like, he loves it's it as G, well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think Taddy Pogacar is a bit like that. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right in a second yeah. language as well, which is kind of yeah, like, or third language even. I don't yeah. know. That's um, super yeah. impressive. Yeah, I agree, Thomas. I think Garant Thomas is just like that, isn't he? The guy, uh, that brilliant yeah, answer he came up with yeah. during the Tour de France was it after the final individual time trial, mm. where he just said, "Well, it's a good workout for the Commonwealth Games, like, isn't it?" Also, like the only person I know in in the whole world to get his hair cut by his wife who's not a hairdresser before <laughs> the tour when you're on TV every day. Brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Oh, don't worry about it, G. I'll, I'll do your hair now. Just sit down there, all right? All right? What do you want? One on the side or a two butt? On the balcony in Monaco. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, literally, like, 
<laughs> that's it's brilliant though it's so good yeah, yeah. yeah i just had it just so yeah. chilled isn't he i just thought of something actually this is, is a totally random one you're thinking about interviewing kind of bike riders straight after the race we've often spoken about this kind of how it's such a rare sport using your word there Pete, in the sense that you can do that straight after and you get those emotions and everyone's kind of judgmental of them even as we are now to Teo. but imagine going and doing it to people in the real world kind of they've just come out of work and had a terrible day and just put a microphone yeah. in their face <laughs> or they've just they've just had a terrible commute they've had road rage and it's like they step out of the Sick car and it's like how was your drive how was that today and it's like yeah. kind of it would be brilliant wouldn't it like come out of a meeting that's just so been horrific true. or you've just that's been fired so <laughs> that's such a good yeah, point poor bloody jimmy's just come home from a root canal filling in <laughs> hour lunch break yeah. absolutely raging do you know what i mean <laughs> how's your day <laughs> yeah well <laughs> you want to know <laughs> oh god yeah so true yeah but there's all sorts of, there's it's all sports, sorts of distorted and they get interviewed, so. yeah there's all sorts of distorted ways of looking at the world aren't there and mm. you know it's a bit like social media armchair critics of of us now we're all tv commentators mm. you know and people pile onto us occasionally and say we're getting things really wrong or it's kind of like uh, you know and it is the equivalent of just walking into someone's office and standing at their <laughs> standing at their <laughs> desk and pointing at what they're doing like with your great big finger going, what's that, that. you got that <laughs> spot that wrong you got uh, that wrong paragraph there and then just <laughs> flicking their ear while they're working you know like that <laughs> so yeah <laughs> uh, part of the by the way oh, can i can i um sorry sorry can i just because I've, I, I just keep forgetting to do this so i've got two things i want to plug is that okay and I keep yeah. forgetting to do it. I want to plug my the other podcast I'm, I contribute to and have been doing for a couple of years because um, they're really good friends of mine and it's a great podcast and it does the right things and it says the right things and it's called Streets Ahead. And I do this podcast um, as frequently, a little bit less frequently actually than we do this one. And um, Adam Tranter and Laura Laker are two experts in active travel and changing the way that um, w our built environment in particular operates. And uh, I just tag along as the other uh, host and ask all the kind of like outsider questions of uh, of their expertise. So that sounds really dry and boring, but it's not. It's really it's a really interesting and entertaining pod. And we've been doing it for a couple of years. We started doing it during the COVID lockdown. And um, I want you to have a little listen. And if you like it, subscribe and uh, and start to listen to that one as well. Streets ahead. And the other thing I want to say is that uh, guys, I've been working every uh, spare minute on material for my show and the tickets are still on sale and you go to ents24.com and search my name and there you can see uh, all the tour dates many of which are virtually sold out some are sold out now others less so um, but so street uh, um, tickets are still available for the Ritual de Ned sh uh, tour which starts in early October and here's a little teaser because um, I was going to ask you, do we get yeah. some teasers yeah, of any of the material? I'm intrigued. Yeah, I just I, I've built this little. Um, I don't want to say too much about what it is, but very early on in the first half, it's quite a theatrical show. I'm going to whether I'm playing in Exeter or Newbury Corn Exchange or the Buxton Opera House or at the Salford Lowry, I'm going to transform our evening into Belle Epoque Paris. And I have been building this uh, this little soundscape, which you can hear in the background now of uh, the sounds of Belle Epoque Paris and uh, we're going to go back to the very origins of the Tour de France and then go from there and bring it all the way up to 2022 over the course of the evening and along the way have lots of never strays far type diversions and fun and interactivity and all that nice. kind of thing so that's how that show is going to look and feel it's coming together there we go so you're basically going to cover the whole gravel scenario where yeah. <laughs> we're going to go deep into gravel you're, you're basically <laughs> starting with it aren't you 
It's like it's the Tour de France. Like, exactly. I love that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, what's next, guys? What are we all up to? So Deutschland Tour's nearly finished. And then um, I see oh, you on David. Thursday. We're talking our events in Via on yeah, Thursday evening. Tell the internet so about that. Yeah, yeah, so that's um that's the tickets all sold out for that last week. Oh, so okay. um but we'll be there. Um, that's via Atelier. Um, we're doing we'll a live pod it. there. We're doing a live pod. <laughs> we're doing like I think we do like a, we're doing a live pod, but I reckon we'll just do like a twenty-minute segment on Tour of Britain or something. So we can't do much without cool. Pete. Yeah, can't do anything. So Pete. can't do anything without Pete. So yeah. unless we find a way to, we could. There could be a clever way, but I think we will just do a twenty-minute segment Section. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And then we all um, travel up to Aberdeen, don't we? One way and another. Then we're going to Aberdeen the next mm. day, and then it begins. Yeah, Pete. When do you Tour get to Aberdeen? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, probably the day before the race, which will be <coughs> the third, the details. third, I guess. I don't yeah. know. So that's he's relaxing, man, remember? Time. Yeah. 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 Um, I've been, yeah, so, yeah, I've been watching the Vuelta, obviously, and got the Tour of Britain coming up, and then it's off-season. Um, one thing on the Vuelta, and because we all, we all commentate on bike races, I picked up on like commentators' habits or what they do or how they speak, mm. and it's quite in, it's quite interesting actually. Everyone has their little go-tos. Of course. So Robbie McEwen's one that I really noticed, and he pulls it off quite quite well. To be fair, he he sets himself up with a question and then he answers it. It's <laughs> 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 so good, brilliant. <laughs> so so he goes like this. Um, he'll go. Um, is it is Evnapol on the attack? Well, in fact, he is. <laughs> so, so do you know, it's like <laughs> that's <laughs> it's great because it still like fills time. But I think you could you can use it a bit less. So it has more impactful when <laughs> you know. But just little things, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm getting him in my locker ready for next year in July. <laughs> Ned's will just be like, "What is he on about? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he an amalgamation of uh, Sean Kelly, Robbie McEwen, Carlton Kirby, Rob Hatch? <laughs> like, yeah. What happened to Pete?" <laughs> I don't know. Hey, what happened to Pete? We don't know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. No one knows. Uh, but I can imagine that. Robbie when he was racing, like having conversations in his head that were a bit like that. You know, like at <laughs> breakfast. Like is he he's doling out the cornflakes in some Flanders hotel, Campanile or something? <laughs> you know, saying to himself, Is Robbie gonna win today? He sure as hell is. You know, like little <laughs> motivational pep talks with himself. Just Even in the middle of a bunch yeah. sprint. Is there a gap there for Robbie? I think there is. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's taken it. <laughs> oh, he made it. He made it through. 50 oh, metres to so go. True. He kicks again. Can he kick is again? He, he can. Is he? <laughs> in, fact, he, in fact, he can and he will. Robbie McEwen takes the stage win. But also, Ned, you've said this time and time again, there's no possible way to hide your personality when you're on TV for that long. No, it comes so I think out. you've just backed up that with... That's, the, that's, the, that's, that's him. what he does. That is that's Robbie. Him. That's him. That's how he talks. Yeah. He's like, am I going to have a coffee? Well, in fact... I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like it's just a monologue. <laughs> so yeah, just good. like that's just how that's just how he talks, probably. Uh, Guys, um, I've got to get on the road. Yeah, you gotta go. I've got to get to yeah. Stuttgart, otherwise I'm right. really late. Oh uh, yeah, you've got a long uh, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Enjoy try and get this edited and up into the cloud and then I'm gonna hit the road. So I shall see you uh, I'll all see right. you all soon. Yep. Alright. See you Thursday. See Tuesday. you later. All right. See ya. See ya. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Bye.